welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 13. Numbly, he packed up his possessions, gave several away. He left behind Loki's Herodotus and the Book of Coin Tricks, and with a momentary pang, he abandoned the blank metal discs he had smuggled out of the workshop, which had, until he had found Loki's change in the book, served him for coins. There would be coins, real coins, on the outside. He shaved. He dressed in civilian clothes. He walked through door after door, knowing that he would never walk back through them again, feeling empty inside. The rain had started to gust from the gray sky, a freezing rain. Pellets of ice stung Shadow's face while the rain soaked the thin overcoat as they walked away from the prison building toward the yellow ex-school bus that would take them to the nearest city. By the time they got to the bus, they were soaked. Eight of them were leaving, Shadow thought, fifteen hundred still inside. He sat on the bus and shivered until the heaters started working, wondering what he was doing, where he was going now. Ghost images filled his head unbidden. In his imagination, he was leaving another prison long ago. He had been imprisoned in a lightless garret room for far too long. His beard was wild and his hair was a tangle. The guards had walked him down a gray stone stairway and out into a plaza filled with brightly colored things, with people and with objects. It was a market day and he was dazzled by the noise and the color, squinting at the sunlight that filled the square, smelling the salt-wet air and all the good things of the market, and on his left the sun glittered from the water. The bus shuddered to a halt at a red light. The wind howled about the bus, and the wipers slooshed heavily back and forth across the windshield, smearing the city into a red and yellow neon wetness. It was early afternoon, but it looked like night through the glass. Shit, said the man in the seat behind Shadow, rubbing the condensation from the window with his hand, staring at a wet figure hurrying down the sidewalk. There's pussy out there. Shadow swallowed. It occurred to him that he had not yet cried had in fact felt nothing at all. No tears, no sorrow, nothing. He found himself thinking about a guy named Johnny Larch. He'd... And that's our page. So, first thing to note, eight leaving, 1,500 still inside. It's another hint to the prison's location, but I couldn't find anything that met all the various requirements. Every time I'd find one that was the right level of crime, it wouldn't have the right population. Every time with the right population, it wouldn't have the right floor plan. I'm guessing that it's it's not a particular prison, but is what I referred to previously as a, the platonic ideal of a prison. I'm, I'm not really going to spend any more time on this at this point. Shadow's out of prison. He's not going back. Or is he? No, he's not going back. And so I'm just going to leave it alone. If you know, though, please email me. Twitter me, tweet me, BuzzFeed me, feed me. God, I'm hungry. Okay, um, the start of the page is something familiar to an extent where Shadow's just getting his shit and getting out. He moves along from prison to, I was going to say real life, but that isn't quite right. He moves from prison to not prison. He moves from... Eagle Point on, he moves from this place to that place. The book is always in motion for large parts of it, and what people get really bogged down on is when it really isn't. There's whole sections in a town called Lakeside, and I think they're wonderful, but I know that amongst other things, the Lakeside scenes are really divisive. The book itself is really divisive, even among fans of Gaiman's other work. 
so I guess I'll just point out the things that I know are are of issue to some people. Uh, there's one coming up at the end of the chapter, and boy howdy, that one's divisive across the board. Fans, not fans, everything. And ooh, I don't want to tip the hand on that one. It's just it's too good. If you haven't finished the chapter, just once this is over, finish the chapter. The paragraph about him walking through door after door sounds familiar, and I tried to find a reference to it. He walked through door after door, knowing that he would never walk back through them again, feeling empty inside. It it sounds familiar, and I don't think it's anything more than I've listened to the audiobook, probably. I've listened to the audiobook a dozen times. I've read the book. I've read the book probably a dozen times, too, and so I think it's one of those things that I probably just read and loved, and it's just been bouncing around my head for the better part of a decade. It just it just jumped out at me all over again when I read it. So, the other thing that really hit me right in the feels was Shadow having to leave books behind. I've read, a, I've read a lot of books in my life. I've also left behind a lot of books. Either they were with friends, and I never got them back, or they were with friends, and I said, oh, no, no, I'll get another copy, and then I never did. I sold back more books than I'm comfortable admitting to Powell's when I left Portland, and uh, I had a copy of Sylvia Plath's Ariel I left behind in a hospital when I was 15. The other thing that jumped out at me for the first time was the entire middle of the page where either Shadow has a ghost memory or more likely he falls asleep and has these he has these really strong memories of slavery. I'm safe making an assumption that this uh it's actually taking place in America. Market Day sounds weird to me, but maybe it's one of those regional things. When I looked it up, I couldn't find any reference that said it was specifically European or specifically anything else but American. There's references uh, within the text even here to the transatlantic slave trade, and it's not an uncommon reference in Gaiman's books. It comes up in Sandman a lot surrounding Hobgadling. But it's definitely not going to be the last reference we have to uh, slavery in America. There will be several other instances where we get to talk about it in an extended way. At least one of the Coming to America sections deals with slavery and in fact it's actually the passage of the book where this podcast gets its name more direct to the page there are plenty of references to historical slave markets throughout u.s history but in my head american history especially is drab and brown and gray and black and i think i'm pulling in my own lack of knowledge of history the the bright objects in Shadow's dream memory, throw me off. But it is called American Gods, so safely I'm going to assume that it's America. And like I said, this is the first time I've pulled this small bit of text out of the larger piece, and I I think that's probably because I'm white, and it didn't hit me to mean exactly what it meant. It may also be that I didn't notice it because it's not in the earlier version of the book. 
the the previous printing i feel like that is probably incorrect and i just don't remember it but if you're reading from an earlier edition please let me know i i have one somewhere but i haven't been able to unpack it from a box or find it please email me twitter me let me know a garret room is a cramped living space, uh, typically an attic space, but it can be any kind of small room. It's another French word, like oubliette was the other day, uh, typically used for quartering soldiers, but generally understood to mean any cramped small space where you could stuff somebody and forget about them. It's the second mention of a red light in as many pages. Oh no, no, it wasn't the previous page, it was two pages ago, but the other was on the warden's door, where it talked about a red light and a green light. I don't think it's anything, but it just jumped out at me that it's it's one after the other. Shadow is still... He's not mourning Laura yet, because he's still in shock, and it's not a super surprising reaction to this kind of thing. It particularly notes that he didn't cry yet over the death of his wife, and he's kind of, he's putting up walls. He's possibly in denial at this point, and just not allowing the death to affect him. There's there's a lot of moments of this same kind of thing. Shadow isn't dealing with Laura's body directly. It's not, it's not in front of him, and it's it's another one of those intangibles that he's just kind of He's letting just kind of flow over him. At the end of the page, we get Johnny Larch mentioned by name, so he's going down in my list of characters, but we're going to learn a lot about Johnny tomorrow. The storm is here, and that's uh, th that's the first time we have mention of an actual storm occurring as it's occurring, instead of Sam's warning that the storm is coming, or Shadow feeling like it just needs to let the storm, it needs to rain or snow. So it's actually here. It's uh, it's rainy, freezing rain, icy pellets. It's also an X school bus with X cons. I'm just riffing at this point because I swore there was something else, but I didn't make a note of it. Tune in tomorrow for more on Johnny Larch. You can get in touch with us at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod like to also say thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his song St. James Infirmary Blues, which is our theme. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow for another page. And remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>